This week joins as we discuss what is an 80s mom mentality and how we handle all this chaos, especially in the modern times. So, lock the bathroom door, pour a glass of wine, and take a deep breath. Welcome to the 80s Mom Podcast. Hi, I'm Ray. I'm Cecily. And welcome to the 80s Mom Podcast. Shall we jump into tonight's discussion, Cecily? Sure. Alrighty. First, I want to preface this with why I decided to do the topic of what is an 80s mom this week. And that is because I was listening to one of my favorite podcasts, the Survival Podcast um, with Jack Spearco. He mentioned 80s moms on Monday and how moms now don't have the same mentality. So I posted in his MeWe group, I said, in fact, we do still exist and we have a podcast. So I thought this would be a great time to talk about what an 80s mom mentality is. Especially given COVID and the fact that the government all over the world is trying to take away our Thanksgiving. Like, I don't know how bad it is. It's pretty bad in Illinois. I think you were reduced to 10 people at a gathering, I think my family said. Yeah, but I don't know how they're going to enforce that. Karen's. I mean, I'm guessing if you don't have five cars in front of your house, you're probably fine. I don't think there's a real way to enforce it, but the fact that they're yeah. saying, you know, go to jail and pay a fine for having Thanksgiving blows my mind. I've seen some memes today about 1984, <laughs> and if you haven't read 1984, I highly suggest it. And, yeah, this is starting to feel like 1984 to me. I saw a meme the other day that said that something about today's college campuses are an illustration of 1984 and Animal Farm as orchestrated by young people who haven't read either. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> I was about to say, 1984 and Animal Farm are more or less the same premise. One is, yeah. uh, what is it, the Bolshevik? Is it the Bolshevik Revolution that the Animal Farm is based on? And then communism is what 1984 is based on. I mean, they're both kind of forms of communism. And who knows, maybe for, maybe the 500th try will be effective as the other 499 have not, because obviously... It wasn't real communism. Yes, it wasn't real communism if it didn't work. Have I told you my communist joke? No. What did communists <laughs> use before candles? I have no idea. Light bulbs. Ooh, that's good. <laughs> but it's not communism. It's democratic socialism because that means the exact same thing. Yeah. That's like saying, that's not my aunt, that's my family. Yeah. Synonyms don't mean different things. And I am getting sick of all of this. I was watching Tim Pool before we started streaming and I'm watching stuff on the election and I have to watch how much of it I, in fact, do watch because it depresses the crap out of me. I just wait for Brian to give me the highlights. I could probably ask Jason, but I've been trying to get my own news sources, and he's fairly middle ground. He wants Trump to win, but at this point he's saying it doesn't look like it's going to happen, but who really cares because it doesn't really affect your life, which is true. In general, the person who runs the country does not, in fact, control your life. The governmental agency most likely to control your life is your homeowner association, if you have one. Yeah. But still, it's frustrating. I'm not... Okay, I guess I'll just go out and say it. I don't want Biden to win. I don't think things will get better. I mean, at this point, I haven't been able to buy toilet paper for a month. Again. 
Wow. In St. Louis. I found a 12-pack of the brand we use, and it cost me almost $30. Oh, my gosh. You need to come to us. You need to come to Springfield. They were sold out at the Sam's Club, too, last time I checked. Well, they're not sold out anywhere else. Well, I got it at Walmart, but it's way more expensive to buy at Walmart. And I mean, I'm a prepper, okay? I could stay locked in my house for two weeks, and I have plenty of food. I have plenty of cleaning supplies to last me anywhere between a month and a year. Uh, depending on what it is. I have things. I have a deep freezer. I have two refrigerators. I've got more fro. I've, I've got two deep freezers. One's like the size of a dorm fridge. But we have. We have. But even then, not being able to get things bothers me. Because. Yeah. And this is all part of like the 80s mom mentality it may seem like a tangent and it's not really but because the moms in the 80s were raised by parents who either went through the great depression or their grandparents went through the great depression and they knew how to prepare because preparing is not hoarding hoarding is different i do not hoard that does not mean that i don't have enough food in my house to feed my family for at least a month it doesn't yeah, mean that you just entire don't month. Panic buy it all at once. Yeah, no, I don't panic buy it all at once. You don't have unreasonable amounts of it. No. One coffin deep freezer, which is the kind that is on its side and you lift the lid up. That's called a coffin freezer. That's what we called them when I worked at oh. Walmart. So if you walk down Walmart, you know, like in the not in the freezer section, but next to it, there's often like huge coolers. They don't have lids on them. They're freezers. Those are called coffin freezers. So this is like a coffin deep freezer. And it's got a lot of food in it. And I'm not saying like the last week of that month we may not be happy. But we have food. That's why one of our first episodes we talked about copy canning and storing what you eat. My brother-in-law decided to go nuts and now they have tons of beans and rice. And like hamburger helper but... Like, nobody in that house eats any of that stuff, and that is not how you prepare (laughs) for anything outside of a nuclear disaster. And let me tell you, if you're preparing for a nuclear disaster, one, unlikely. Two, you're probably dead anyway. I'm preparing for my husband going on strike. I'm preparing for him to lose his job. I'm preparing for a tornado to hit our house. I am preparing for things that could happen. Now, I live in the Midwest. Tornadoes could happen. It's not like I live in Florida preparing for tornadoes. In that case, you you prepare for hurricanes, although I have seen a tornado in Florida. Uh, It hit really close to my grandparents' house when I was in middle school. But I think it's more important than ever. I am not saying go out and buy everything you can find. I'm saying... If comfort items for your kids include, like, Gushers and Pop-Tarts and cereal, maybe buy an extra box or two so you have it on hand if for some reason there's a run on it. I'm, yeah. I'm saying I went to Joann's on Tuesday and there was absolutely no wool yarn anywhere. It looked like the toilet paper aisle at Sam's. <laughs> I don't know if they just had a big yarn sale, which I don't think is likely, or people just bought a shit ton of yarn, which is a weird thing not for a store not to have, but they did not have it. And it is a practical thing. It's not like they were sold out of, like, sparkly trim or something. Well, it's not like I went through the store looking, but yeah. It's not like they were sold out of the cheap Red Heart shit. Which I know you crochet with, and that's fine. I just, I can't use that stuff. Yeah. Also, apparently, um, Dollar Tree or Dollar General has some really nice yarn for a buck right now. Dollar Tree had some really pretty looking, I think it was cotton spring. My aunt just picked up some worsted yarn for a dollar a skein, and it was soft, and I was surprised. 
And it was a decent yardage. It was like 376 yards or something. But, like, these are the reasons we talk about these things, right? These, This is our mentality. Yeah. I know that you're coming more to the prepper side. And we're working on that together. And if anybody wants help doing that, I'm happy to, you know, give you podcasts, give you ideas, help you set up a budget. You just have to email us, which is easy. You can always email us. I check my email a couple times a day. But I think an 80s mom mentality is important. Like we said last week, we are not rich parents. We do not live in mansions. My phone chooses the worst time to go off. Um... (laughs) We make less than $60,000 a year. You can do this. It is possible to do this. It doesn't mean you get to have all the nicest things necessarily or that you don't have to pinch pennies in order to get them. Jason saved for six months to buy us a Roku TV, which we got for like 200 bucks. But that 200 bucks was money we had to save up to get. Yeah. We don't just turn around and get nice stuff. I worked hard for the census for almost three months to buy my husband a 3D printer for Christmas. And that was less than $300. And I mean, that is the only thing he is getting for Christmas, period. That is it. That is his Christmas. That's like the household Christmas. But it is doable on a small income in a small household. I have 840 square feet, which is plenty. It doesn't feel like plenty of space, but I have a hard enough time keeping it clean that it is plenty of space. You have between seven and 900 square feet, I think. I have no idea. You know, we have small houses. I don't, I do not live in a mansion. We bought our house for $42,000. And it was a wreck when we bought it. It took us three months of restoration to make it livable. And an additional three months to be able to live in more than two rooms. So. I kind of want a house like that. You don't want the work, though. It was a lot of work. I know. I know. You need to have a huge group of people willing to help you clean out a hoarder house to have this house. It, it was something else. I love my house. I love the layout. I love the fact that we have a third of an acre in the back and I can have chickens and. You know, I love the fact that we have 13 bookcases and more books than we actually have bookcases. Ha ha. There are never enough bookcases. No. Well, and we have a small house. We don't have enough room. But, like, to get the house we have, I have a lot of stuff from Habitat for Humanity Restore. I have a painting I'm looking at of, like, a fall scene. That we got for 40 bucks. And it's hand painted. I think it was 40 bucks because the frame had a light on it that I removed. Because I thought the light was ugly. Actually. But it's a gorgeous painting. Somebody hand painted that. I've got beautiful hanging lights that we got for like 20 bucks a piece. I've got a wonderful dining room set that, well, that was a housewarming present. and was slightly more expensive, but it's second hand. Like we said last week, I get a lot of uh, LaLaRue on Facebook Marketplace for free. I don't need to have a lot of money to live the life I want to live, you know? Yeah. I don't need to have the newest Blu-ray player or a TV the size of, the size of one of my interior walls or a sound system <laughs> that can... Blow the breeze on my neighbor across the street's hair. And Xandria doesn't need every newest electronic toy ever. And these are decisions that we made a long time ago. Would we like some more larger? Sure we would. But this is what we have for now and this is what we can't afford. And as a mom on a smaller budget, you have to be okay with that. You have to shop deals. You need to copy can. You need to kind of have an idea of what you're doing and where you want to go. 
Like me and Jason would like to retire to Maine when we're older, but we don't want to live there now because homeschooling <laughs> restrictions in Maine are pretty <laughs> severe. We looked into yeah. it and I'm like, this is impossible. That involves testing. And I'm like, I, I would rather have our kids here. Is and it worse than New York? I'm unsure. I can't remember. It's been a lot. Last time I looked them up was before Xandria was born. <laughs> and I don't have any interest in moving to New York ever, so I may not have ever looked. So that's part of an 80s mom mentality. Trying to be prepared. That is an 80s mom thing. Uh, Jack was talking about even in the 70s and 80s, four out of five of your classmates, if you went over to their house after school, their moms would be home. They were single-income households. Yep. I mean, your mom was home. Mm-hmm. My mom was a single mom, so that's different. But her husband, and I am not putting down stay-at-home dads here. I'm putting down my mother's husband, but he's lazy and doesn't want to do anything. So he stayed at home and did nothing. Like, literally. He didn't clean the house. He didn't make dinner. He did nothing. Except wow. for make my life a living hell. Like, I think that was his goal in life while I lived there, was to make my life a living hell. And I don't mean that in an angsty teenager way. I mean that in a, I was locked in a room for four years kind of way. Trying to make you leave kind of way. Trying to keep me prisoner kind of way. Like... Leaving the house was one of the hardest things I have ever done in my life. I was terrified when I went to work and didn't go back. But I knew I could do better for myself. And all of the abuse I was going through was not healthy. And I was 18 at the time. Like, they called the cops to make me come home even though they had no idea where I was. And the cops said, she's 18, we can't make her do anything. And they, like, sent the cops to my aunt's house, to my Aunt Babette's house, and, um, everything, trying to find me. And I had made a concerted effort that they didn't know where any of my friends were because I kind of knew that at some point I was going to have to make that decision. Uh So how I live my life is based greatly upon the things I went through and the things I don't want my children to go through because I never want my children to feel the way that I did even though sometimes I have especially when she was younger I have a really hard time with the fact that my daughter has a really awesome childhood and that was stolen from me and sometimes I want to make her life a living hell because that's what I had and I know that's not right and I've been in therapy for a long time and I've learned how to be a better mom So that that doesn't happen. Because that's not fair to her. It's not her fault. You know, that I went through what I went through. There's just no real response to that, is there? No, not really. No. And I know there's not. It's just, it is what it is. And maybe one day we'll talk about it in depth. But that's not really the idea of today. Today's the idea of, you know, the 80s mom mentality. So, you were telling me earlier, when we were talking about this, that you had to learn not to do things for them? Well, it wasn't so much that I had to learn not to. It was that after realizing that other moms did considerably more, I had to figure out why I wasn't going to, and then be ready to explain that. So, give us an example of what you don't do. (sighs) Keep track of my kids' stuff. That's a big one. And, yeah. And I have had people say that, you know, well, obviously they're going to lose it. You know, implication being, you know, that's why you make sure where it is and everything. And... I have enough of my own stuff to not keep track of. 
Right? So, yeah, I'm not going to also not keep track of other people's stuff. That's not my job. No. Zandria will come to me often, like, where is this? And I'm like, I will help you find it. But I don't know. That's not my job. My job is to keep you clean and healthy and fed. My job isn't to know where every single toy that you have ever owned in your life is. And I mean, if it's important enough, I'll know. It's kind of awkward sometimes with other grown-ups. What do you mean you don't know? Like, I've... To the topic of helicopter parenting, which is basically what we're discussing, I've had a cousin um, of Jason's who's like, we did all of this cool stuff like sledding in the snow and going way too fast, and I would never let my kids do that. God forbid they broke a bone, and I'm like, God forbid they had some fun. I mean, your kids hang out of trees. (laughs) So does mine when she has help getting up into them. We are very... One of the reasons one of the reasons I love our property is that we have trees that are climbable and trees that are fall out of a bowl. Yeah. And before the helpful neighbor decided to trim all the goofy low tree I mean all the goofy low branches on the tulip tree. We had a few that were just perfect for pulling down on and then letting go. And the kids had about as much fun as you could possibly have while risking life and limb. And no one got hurt. Well, at least they saw it as risking life and limb. All they're risking is a broken bone, which sucks. But... Well, B grabbed the wrong part of the branch once before letting go. By by letting go, I mean having Patrick let go to launch her. Mm -hmm. And... The part that they usually grabbed was fairly smooth, and the part that she grabbed that time had a nice little piece jutting out. Ow. And, yeah, that was that was not fun, but we did not, you know, poke a hole in our throat or anything, so we were, we were fine. We learned our lesson, be more aware of where I'm grabbing. We did. Zan- because mommy is going to scream if she sees you do that again. Yeah. Zandria um, was standing up on the couch at my grandma's last weekend, and she she like somersaulted off on accident. She fell. My dad goes, she <laughs> fell off the couch. I go, you think she'd learn? And then we were very much because it's my grandma's couch, and Zandria is not supposed to stand on couches anyway. We do not stand on couches. She's only allowed to jump on her own bed. It is hers. Oh. She may jump on her bed. It is her bed. If she breaks it, it is her bed. Says the mom of the child currently sprawled yeah. out in the middle of her floor asleep. <laughs> Whoever makes her happy. Yes, technically, she has a bed. She does have a bed. She has a very nice bed. My grandma had it at her house. She used to use it for her dogs. And uh, she was going to sell it. And I said, well... I mean, I'll pay for it. And she goes, no. I said, okay. I said, I I would love to have that for Xandria. It's the perfect toddler bed. Because that's about the size it is. It has a crib mattress in it. And it's got a railing on one side. And it's perfect for Xandria. And she loves that bed. And she uses it. Now, lately, she's been sleeping on the floor. But that's her decision. And I might move her when I go to bed, or I might leave her there. She might move herself. She often will wake up in the middle of the night and go to bed. I'm not exactly sure whether she fell asleep on the floor on purpose or not. My assumption is she didn't, because she doesn't have a blanket over her, and usually if it's on purpose, she has a blanket. But another's another 80s mom mentality, I think is learning how to set boundaries with your kids. So we're not helicopter parents. You you called it very nicely earlier um, today when you said we're the kind of parents who all sit in the backyard and sip a margarita while our kids are doing whatever in the hell they're doing. Yes. Just hope that they don't bleed on the carpet. Yeah. Please don't bleed on the carpet. Although in my house we don't have carpet, so that's nice, but 
you know, we get up if there is major life and limb at obvious risk, but otherwise they will learn. And we've talked about this before. If you don't let your kids make risks when they're younger, they will make bigger risks when they're older. Because they haven't learned what what a small risk feels like. Yeah. I mean, even to them, a small risk feels like a big risk. But they have some idea of that and they're not sheltered. Which I think is a lot of the problem going on with the Gen Zers and to some degree the younger Millennials. Because there are some younger Millennials who are much younger than we are. Although you may be a Gen Xer, I'm not actually sure. If you are, you're like tail end Gen X. Yeah, I have no idea what I am. Yeah, I can't remember. I know I'm a um, millennial. And having said that, I am a very well-adjusted, old-fashioned millennial. I mean, I'm so old-fashioned, we teach my daughter how um, William the Conqueror of England is was uh, William the Bastard. I mean, like, literally, we are old-fashioned. <laughs> We do a lot of medieval reenactment, and a lot of medieval stuff is normal in our household, which we have also talked about how, like, scientific terms in your household are normal, and medieval terms in my household are normal. And that doesn't mean that I don't have lights, and that I don't have heat, and I don't have air conditioning. But it does mean I have a lot of Viking banners hanging in my house. We have scores of books on medieval stuff. We have... Like, I have Athena, who is my loom, and she's actually um, Revolutionary War era type of ankle loom, but I use her for an older form of weaving called tablet weaving, which I post pictures on Parlor and MeWe. You should check it out. Especially, I posted last night. You should look. I posted last night about how I am not perfect because I spent three hours, I spent two hours warping my loom. And then two hours messing with it, only to realize that that pattern was trash. <laughs> it didn't work. It wasn't going to work. Nothing was going to make it work. Oh, dear. So my friend goes, how are you doing? I said, much like this weaving, my life right now is trash. Oh, <laughs> It's been a stressful week. Yes. I mean, Jason's co-worker probably has COVID, and he's somebody Jason talks to on a daily basis, and this is a problem because now we're worried that Jason might get COVID. Not that we're worried about COVID, we're just worried about having to quarantine, and I'm supposed to go out of town in a week, in like a week and a half, to help my grandma post-surgery, and so it derails a whole lot of our stuff. But I wouldn't put my grandma or my aunt at risk. Me and you have talked about it. My aunt is not only immunocompromised, as am I, but she is also allergic to most antibiotics. Which is really poor planning. You need to pick one problem at a time. Yeah, right? She laughed when I told her that. I told her what you said. (laughs) Because I did. I totally told her that. I said, so Cecily wanted me to ask you, did doctor ever sit down and say, okay, you have to pick one of these, but you can't have both? And she thought that it, was it, funny. It just doesn't make sense to have both. It's pretty that's, bad. That's not good planning. She had a virus when she was two that just ravaged her. She had her first um, pacemaker defibrillator installed when she was in her early 30s. And she was so happy to hit 50 because people would stop ask, stop telling her that she was far too young to have a pacemaker defibrillator. <laughs> I'm old enough now, darn it. I get that a lot, too. Like, I tell people I have arthritis, and they go, you're too young to have arthritis. And I'm like, well, yes, uh... but no. My grandma had severe arthritis before I was born, and I was born when my grandma was 39. And she had arthritis worse than I do. She had osteo and rheumatoid, which is rough because for the osteo you can get re- you can get like joint replacement. Like she had a shoulder replaced. She had some vertebrae in her mm-hmm. neck replaced. She had both of her knees replaced. But since she still had rheumatoid arthritis, that does not fix the other arthritis. So you're still in pain. Yeah. 
then I highly doubt that the pain is actually diminished because pain is pretty much pain. And my aunt, like me, has psoriatic arthritis. Which is similar, it's very similar to rheumatoid, except for psoriatic arthritis can actually um, attack your organs, which rheumatoid cannot do, as far as I know. I could be wrong. If I'm wrong, email us. Let me know. So it's, it's bad. But because of that, I relish and enjoy the fact that my daughter can do things I can't do. She can run. If a bear yeah. ran after me, I'm just dead. <laughs> I haven't been able to run more than three paces in my entire life. I just, I can't. I'm not built that way. I've probably had arthritis longer than we knew I had arthritis. I didn't even know until it got so bad I was unable to wash my hair. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Well, the only reason I realized that that was a problem is because my aunt has a home health worker who has to wash and brush her hair because my aunt can't raise her arms above her head. Mm. Now, that's not necessarily the arthritis. My aunt, because of the um, virus she had it too, has so many health problems they can't fit on a medical alert bracelet. She actually has a stack of paperwork she carries in her billfold that explain her health problems because she has so many. You should get her a medical, uh, medical alert charm bracelet. Her list is too long. She has one. So she oh, ha and it okay. says, um, like see wallet <laughs> on it because the list of health problems she has is legit really long. At one point she got diagnosed with fibromyalgia, which is basically saying you're in pain and we don't know why. Yes. We because, have no idea what to do about that. No. Because... So many of the things are interlaced that there just became a point where they could not figure out anymore what was causing the problems. But she's actually on a newer diet and she's actually been able to eat eggs. Like getting into a little bit of egg used to make her very violently sick. And I'm not exactly sure what she's doing now, but she can have one whole egg a day and not get sick. So whatever she's oh. doing is working. And I just made a lot of pickled eggs, and I'm going to bring her one. Because she goes, maybe I can have one, because I was very careful. She's allergic to not only sulfa drugs, she's also allergic to sulfur. So I made sure the type of pickled eggs I made didn't have um, herbs with sulfur in them. Don't onions also have sulfur? Yep, and garlic, and broccoli, and cauliflower, and any oh. deep leafy green, and... I think it's, I, I may be mistaken. It may not be deep leafy greens. You have to understand. My aunt has a sulfur allergy. My sister cannot process iron. So Ugh. there's some overlap there and I may be getting it confused. Yeah, my sister's body is incapable of absorbing iron. So she, there's a lot of things she's also not allowed to have. I'm not saying she doesn't have them. But she's not supposed to. She's worse at sticking to a diet than I am. <laughs> I'm pretty bad. Says the person who's keto drinking a Coke. <laughs> it was a stressful day. So, like I was saying before I got off on this tangent. Um, <laughs> we have to be willing to adjust the boundaries in our life to our kids. Even though we are free-range parents. Which is, if you picture a helicopter parent and you picture the opposite of that, that's basically a free-range parent. My daughter is allowed to play yes. in the background, in, in the backyard, not the background. Although, technically, if I'm in the house, same difference. In the backyard with no supervision. A, a helicopter parent, and I know some and I'm friends with some. Like, they cannot let their kids do that. Like, it freaks them out that their kids would be outside and they can't see them. I would think that would mean your kid would never be outside, because who has time to go sit outside just so the kid can go play? And I mean, I've done that. She's, until this year, she was not allowed to be on the trampoline without somebody outside. And part of that was she couldn't yeah. get in and out of the trampoline by herself. 
I mean, our trampoline is enclosed and has padding on the springs, which is something that at my friend's house and I was in middle school, we certainly didn't have while she was doing flips and could have potentially killed herself because those things are dangerous. But um, now we've moved it close to the chicken coop because we plan on letting the chickens under the trampoline so that that's not dead space. It's actually used space because I don't like having space in my yard that's not being utilized. And the underneath of a trampoline, especially one that's like eight feet in diameter, is just, it's a lot of wasted space. Wow. So we've di- we've discussed um, fencing off the bottom so that we could create a door between the chicken run and the trampoline. And I don't know whether we'll do that or not, but we discussed it and we moved the trampoline. So with boundaries... I had to have a conversation with Andrea today because she got into the stuff for our other business, which is Viking and Weaver, which check it out if you're interested. We sell medieval stuff. Um, she got into my goods, which are in two small um, Tupperware things on top of a play kitchen that she doesn't use anymore. And she had spread them throughout her room, which really, really, one, pissed me off and two, frustrated me. Because I spend a lot of time making these things to sell and it's not okay for her to get into them. And she took her dad's brute form, which is a bread form you use for raising like a cottage loaf, which is a really simple type of bread. And she filled it with water to make flour soup. And Jason's not too happy about that. And she's gotten into her Oma's work stuff recently, I guess on Tuesday when uh, I was doing holiday shopping. And all of these things together, along with the not going to bed and coming out constantly, are not okay. So I took her aside because I was upset. And I'm keeping myself under control, mind you. I'm not, like, screaming at her no matter how much I wanted to scream at her. And I said, here's the you deal. You are very good at that. I, most of the time, I'm not perfect. Um, I try. I put myself in mommy time out if I need to and just go do something else for a few minutes because sometimes I need some space. So I said, here's the deal. You have had an attitude problem. You can adjust your attitude problem and stop causing issues and touching things that are not yours. The things in your bedroom are yours. The things that are not in your bedroom are not yours. You need permission before you handle them. I said, we can do that, or I can give you stricter rules. Do you want stricter rules? And she said, yes. That's impressive. I think part of it is kids want order. They feel chaotic because they're still learning how to regulate themselves. And she realizes she's out of control. I'm not saying that she thinks about it in these terms. I don't know what terms a four-year-old thinks about these things, but I think on some level she realizes she is out of control and she doesn't seem to be capable of putting herself under control. And that's what we are for. So there's a difference between being a free-range parent and being a parent with no boundaries. I am a peaceful parent. I do not hit my child. I don't, in general, put my child in timeout. If I do that, I do not do it for small things. Like, she got put in timeout while she was at Oma's but I, on Tuesday, but I can't remember what for. It was just one thing too many. Oma was done, and she put her in a room and made her stay there for a while, which is fine. I trust her to make decisions. Everybody's house has different sets of rules, which I have made clear to Zandria. My grandma's house has a different set of rules than Oma's house, and that has a different set of rules than our house. And you have to learn the rules. So I think to some degree she realizes she's out of control, and she needs somebody to set the boundaries tighter for her so she can maintain the control. And her behavior this evening was better. It's not great, but it's way better. She came out twice of her bedroom. Which is way less than she has been. And that's okay. That's that's an improvement. I would rather you go to bed and then you don't come out at all. But I can handle taking steps. And every time she came out, I said, I want you to go back to your room and shut the door. 
If you do not do it, I will physically put you in your room and shut the door. Because a lot of her thing has been to leave the door open so Taco can go in there. But she lacks the ability, if that door is open, of staying in her room. So now, not only is her bedtime earlier, she also has to go in her room and shut the door. And I've also decided that even though it takes 10 times longer, I had her clean her room today. I went in there when I was done working on our bedroom and piece by piece told her where things went as she put them away. So she cleaned her bedroom today. That's a wonderful way to do it. It's it's Petersonian to a large degree. It's what Jordan Peterson says you have to do because you're basically programming your child. They don't know that the teddy bear goes here and the blocks go there. They need to be told yeah. over and over and over again. And I haven't been doing that because I've been doing it myself. But much like my husband, she needs to realize there is no laundry or cleaning fairy. I mean, for my husband, it's a laundry fairy. For her, it's a cleaning fairy. Somebody has to do these things. And it's a mentality switch because I didn't want to have rules. When I first became a parent, I wanted to be a very, very peaceful parent with the least amount of boundaries possible. And the older she gets, the more I realize she needs those boundaries. I mean, when she was younger, when you're like 18 months old, it's much harder to have very firm boundaries for everything. But at this age, yeah. she understands, and I can crunch it into a smaller thing, which goes back to our boundaries and discipline episode. But these aren't things that go away. These are constant things. Like I said, we're not materialistic. We don't like hoard stuff or need to keep up with the Joneses. I think to some degree... We are religious. I We are definitely conservative. I don't know if I know any liberal 80s mom-minded people. And if you are, please get in this email I have no us. idea because my mom never had friends. I mean, that I knew of that were moms. My mom didn't really either. I mean, my friend circle is fairly small. My acquaintance circle is large, but my friend circle is normally very small. And a lot of my mom friends are helicopter parents, but I can't do that. Because I think that to some degree, and I'm not bashing them whatsoever, we all have to make our own decisions, and we just have different philosophies. But I I think that that's part of what we're seeing in the chaos of the world. Like, people weren't given boundaries. And they also weren't allowed to play. Like, God forbid you played tag and touch somebody, or you had a specific special friend, because we all need to be friends because we don't want people to feel left out. And we all need participation trophies. Although that was our parents' generation that foisted that on us. That wasn't our decision. Yeah. And I think a lot of that has to do with a lot of what we see. And it might be an unpopular opinion. I think that's a lot of what we're seeing. That's the riots. There's a lot of, like, other things going on that seem like people who weren't allowed imaginative play trying to do that as adults, but being more pushy and violent about it. And that's not everybody, but the people you see on the news or on your YouTube news or stuff like that, I think that's what's going on. I think people weren't allowed to deal with hardship in general. There's there's kind of a feeling that that your child's life should be as magical and perfect as possible because, you know, children are children and they shouldn't have to worry about stuff. But there's also the fact that they learn how to deal with hard things by dealing with hard things. You know, you you yeah. don't learn how to suck it up and not cry after you skin your knee by not skinning your knee. You don't learn how to and fall correctly out of a tree when you don't fall incorrectly, whether that involves, you know, breaking your arm or not. Yeah. And to... so people run into, you know, small issues and they just don't know what to do. Yeah. 
to quote Batman Begins, um, why do we fall, Master Wayne? We fall so that we can learn to get up. Hardship is just a part of life. You can't live your life completely happy the entire time because in general that doesn't actually make you happy. Because if you're too happy, you're going to fight against it to be, to have conflict to overcome. And if you have no conflict to overcome, you're just not, there's there's no way for you to be happy if you don't know what unhappiness feels like. And there's a story of the Buddha about that. Like he was, I guess it's one of the stories of the Buddha. And I think there may be multiple Buddhas. I can't remember because I'm not Buddhist. I'm pagan, but I'm not Buddhist. Um, Like where one of the Buddhas was raised in like this perfect garden. And he was never shown any unhappiness or anybody who was diseased. And he went out into the world and saw all of this hardship and he wanted to make it better. So he gave up on basically what would the Buddhist Garden of Eden to try to improve other people's lives because he wasn't being happy wasn't making him happy. Yeah. Like saying, we need UBI. <laughs> we need, nobody should have property. We shouldn't eat meat. We need to go completely green. These things are lovely. To quote my high school social studies teacher when I asked him about communism, because I'm like, this looks like it's awesome. Why don't we have this? He said, because it's one of those things that looks really good on paper and doesn't actually work. And doesn't work because of human nature. Yeah. Well, he didn't. That's not what he said. What he said was it doesn't actually work. And it took me a long time to realize yeah. why. Like, I was a millennial who was part of Occupy. Like, an active part of Occupy in Springfield, Illinois. I am a completely different person now than I was ten years ago when that was going on. But that was something I was in. Because there was a point where I thought those things should be real, too. But now that I'm married and I have a family, I realize that the damage those kinds of things would cause are not worth what people think you would get out of them. There's a story about, like, the Soviet U Union president in the 80s coming over to America and being surprised at the variety of stuff we had in the shelves because they only had one or two things. Like... Think about your soda aisle and all of the different brands and stuff. They had, like, one. The the bread aisle. The bread aisle. The fact that, well, yeah. unless a storm is coming or COVID, you have all of these different <laughs> bread goods. And they didn't have that. And if you get communism or socialism, you won't have that. You just, you won't have those things. Because that's not how this works. You can't take somebody else's labor and make it free. That is theft. You cannot steal people's labor. That is why, in yeah. general, I think, yeah, in, at least in general and in the vast majority of cases, state health care does not work. State-run health care, like what they have in the UK. People in the UK come to the, <laughs> were coming to the US because... They couldn't get treated before they died. Like, that's how bad yeah. that is. And now people in the U.S., because it's starting to get bad here, are going to, like, South America and doing what you call, like, medical tourism, where you go to a different country to have work done that you can't have done here. Either because it's too expensive or it's not available or any myriad of reasons. Yeah. I am a firm believer in private health care. Part of it is because the union health care we have is very good. And I won't lie. It is amazingly good. What would cost me $1,000 in eyeglasses cost me 100 And being somebody who lived the vast majority of their life with no health care, that is amazing. But my husband works his butt off to have that health care. We work really hard. And... I'm not going to say it's not fair because life is often not fair, but it's not right for somebody to steal somebody else's 
labor in order to have subpar health care. Like, Obamacare, I didn't even qualify for it, even though I was jobless. I was basically homeless, and I had no income whatsoever. They wow. basically showed me the middle I finger. I think that would be the definition of qualifying. You'd think, but no. Me and Jason weren't even married then. I was just living in his household, and you could basically consider me transient homeless. But they didn't care. They wouldn't give me anything. And I don't care what they do. It's not going to make this better. You have to work. Or at least one person in your household has to work. You, as a stay-at-home mom, do not need to feel like you have to work. Because, as I said at the top of the show, you can manage this on less than $60,000 a year. They will tell you that you can't. But you can. There are ways to manage it. You may have to buy a hoarder house for $42,000 to manage it. You may have to pinch pennies and buy sales and sometimes eat the canned goods in your basement that you prep for when, you know, stuff is on sale. You may have to shop at Aldi's more than you like to admit. But you can do this. You just don't get to go to Whole Foods, known colloquially around here as Whole Paycheck, and spend $300 (laughs) a week. Unless your husband makes a buttload of money, which is possible. I don't think it's likely, but it's possible. You don't have to join, like, an MLM, which I know a lot of moms do that. And I will warn you now, and we'll probably talk about this next week when we discuss small businesses. Those things are out to take your money. If you did not create your business and your product is coming from somewhere else and you only get a portion of the percentage, that is not running a business. No, that is not useful at all. No, I pay for my web hosting. I pay for my theme. On my website, I pay for all of the things that I use to make new goods. And I have to do it strategically, and I have to be careful with our budget. But I run my own business. I do not join MLMs. I do not buy things from MLMs. If I'm going to buy, like, Lala Rue, I get it for free on Facebook Marketplace, which I've said multiple times at this point. There are income streams. If you have to piece things together to get your budget to a point where you'll be okay for a while. There's Uber and Lyft and DoorDash and Postmates and Grubhub. And there's one in Springfield that's specific to Springfield. And there's Instacart and Shipt. And there's probably another one I'm unaware of because there are a lot of them. And there are options for things you can pick up a couple times a week and get a little bit of extra money. For, say, your bottle of wine for the week, because God knows we all need it. Yes. But there is no reason to listen to what other people tell you you can't do. And as an 80s mom, you you don't go, I can't do this. You ask yourself instead, you go, how can I do this? How can I make this work? I want to stay at home. I want to have a traditional family. I want to have a one-income household. What in our life needs to change so that I can do this? Taking a deep breath. But you can't just go, I can't do this. I had an 18-year-old talking to me, and he's a male, and he wants to further himself, and he doesn't necessarily want to go to college, and he doesn't know what to do. And I said, well, pick up a menial job. Pick up a pick up a um, side gig job where you're a contractor. Save up money. Decide what you want to do. There's no reason you have to go to college and go into debt. Running under- There's a whole lot out there that pays really well that doesn't require college. Yeah. And the people who look at you and say it must be nice are the people who don't understand and are not going to be able to get to where you've gotten. 
Because if somebody looks at me and I tell them I'm keto, I'm carnivore, and I eat ribeye steaks every night, which for a while was what I was doing, and they go, that must be nice. They don't understand that I am paying less on the amount of steak that I am eating in a day, which is like less than half of one, than they're paying for their McDonald's meal that they went through the drive-thru and got and is literally killing them. So... Don't handle other people's negativity. They don't understand. And it's not your job to make them understand. You say to them what I said to my dad. If me and my husband are happy with the situation, why do you have a problem with it? Yeah. Which is basically a not-so-nice way, or I guess it's a nicer way of saying, F you, mind your own business. Yes. No one asked you. Huh. Yeah. No one asked you. My husband could end up working at Domino's while on strike and we could still manage this. It would not be easy. It would be harder than it is right now. But we could manage it. And that's because we don't have an I can't do this mindset. It's because we have a how can I mindset. And that is basically an 80s mom mindset. And there's a Start lot. Start with what it costs for where you live, and then, you know, down the list. What's the next most important thing? Yeah. And if you can't afford where you live, move. You may think, oh, I can't do that, which has come up a lot because I live in Ferguson and I have a lot of people telling me to get out, get out, get out. And I'm like, well, I understand <laughs> that. And I understand that I need to get out of the suburbs. But right now, that is not an option, and I don't want to. I am just figuring out how I'm going to handle whatever shitstorm comes. Whether it's Biden's lockdowns or the riots that'll come if Trump gets reelected. I am just dealing with it. And figuring out the best I can right now. Because I like my neighborhood. I like how rural-ish Ferguson is, even though it's Ferguson, and I know that it's Ferguson. I like my house. I like the renovations we've done. I know what we have left to do. And right now, moving isn't an option. My sister-in-law just GTFO'd from Portland and left everything, pretty much. And sold their house and moved back to St. Louis. Because they realized they can't afford to live out there and it is a bloody mess. Quite literally. Yeah. So if you can't afford, if you're living in like New York City and you can't afford to live there, you need to move. There's a reason why everybody is moving. Hmm. Everyone's moving to the Midwest. I know, I saw. In Texas. I'd move back to Texas. I like Texas. I like where I am right now, partially because we have a good support network here and I'm close enough to Springfield, Illinois to be able to help my family. I mean, everybody's like, that's such a long drive. I'm like, it's 76 miles. I drive over 100 miles to go to Cape Girardeau to spend a day with my friend. So driving up to Springfield is not a big deal. Driving to Cape Girardeau is a bigger deal than driving to Springfield. Oh, yes. And even then, it's not a big deal. And that's not to put you down on wherever you are and whatever you have going on. It's just to say, you're listening to us. Either somebody has recommended this podcast so you understand what an 80s mom mindset is, or you already have an 80s mom mindset, and you have to think about these things. Because our goal as 80s moms is to think for our families and to have traditional families. Whether you're gay, straight, bi, I do not care. You obviously have an 80s mom mindset, or you would not be listening to our podcast. One would hope. One would hope, because I don't feel like there are enough podcasts that cover these things and let moms know you can do this. Yes, it sucks. Things are hard. It doesn't mean life is unicorns farting rainbows and the rainbows turn into Skittles to feed our kids mouths so that we want to kill them later in the day. It's... I would really rather not anything 
rather not eat anything that came from a rainbow park. <laughs> just, just putting that out there. Fair enough. But <laughs> you just, we are the only thing I think right now keeping our nation at some level of normalcy are the moms raising the next generation and raising them the way that we raise them and giving them the freedoms that most parents don't give them and homeschooling them and even virtually schooling them. Although personally, I don't agree with it, but I understand the rationale for it because we talked about that last week. And the one thing I didn't talk about last week that I meant to was if you have your kids in government schools, you need to be aware that there is an over-medication thing going on. Just because you're told that your child needs to be on medication does not mean that you it cannot get a second opinion. Because yeah. that's my fear for Patrick, is we know he has Asperger's to some degree. And that they will, you know, want to medicate him. And that scares me. Well, there's nothing they could medicate him for. There's no medicine that's going to make you more more socially keen. Yeah. Or, or more sophisticated in your interactions. That doesn't mean they wouldn't try, and as far as I'm concerned, that's the one thing I would watch out for if he actually, if they opened the schools back up, I, I would watch out for that, if I were you. And I meant to mention that last week, and I did forget. Yeah, B has a friend who's who is on medication for very good reasons, but she's also kind of a walking example of why certain medicines really are dangerous to mess around with in developing bodies. Well, if you don't need to, you really, really, really should. Yeah. And the stuff they give them for ADHD is basically meth. Yeah. If you wouldn't take meth, I would greatly consider whether you should let your children do it. Unpopular opinion. (laughs) I'm sure we've lost a lot of listeners, but you know, that happens. And I'm not here to be milk toast. Do you know what I mean? I'm... Yeah. I'm here to talk about how life isn't all sunshines and rainbows, how everything can be a conflict. I mean, I have conflicts with my daughter. I I have them with my husband. It's just part of life. Being married and having children is not going to be perfect. It is work. And it's supposed to be work. Everything is work. Everything is work. This is a job. You, the stay-at-home mom listening, have a job. Your job is being a stay-at-home mom. And anybody who tells you that it must be nice that you can sit on your butt and watch YouTube all day need to take that (laughs) opinion and shove it right up where they think on their body where they think you're sitting. Which probably sounded better in my head, but I'm going to stick with it. (laughs) Because this is a job. This is a job that is 24-7, 365 days a year, whether you are healthy, whether you are sick, whether you have COVID, no matter what, this is a job you don't get time off from. And this is way harder than anything they think you should be doing. And it again, if you and your partner have no problem with it, it's nobody else's business. Yes. I'm very much not milk toast tonight. I'm very opinionated tonight. Probably because, partially because I had a rough week. But, because we record these on Thursday. I'm not a miracle worker. I can't do these on Monday and get them out on Tuesday. So, we record these early. Also, like last week, Cecily was sick. Sometimes I have a child who won't go to bed. We're stay-at-home moms. We try to take time out of our week to do these podcasts, but it doesn't mean that we can do them, turn around, and just publish them. Because this is just another job. So I have three jobs right now. I'm a stay-at-home mom slash housewife. I run a small business, and I run a podcast. 
because Cecily, lucky Cecily, gets to uh, just show up and talk to me. Yes. I'm sort of the wall that the handball bounces off of. Most of the time. <laughs> you help me formulate my thoughts, and I love you. You are like my best mom friend. And I greatly value our relationship because having moms with the same mindset is just kind of rare. It's something you have to try to find and work on. And it's hard. It's it always helps when it's in real life. Yes. Because online, it, it doesn't work. I can barely be friends with anybody online. I don't really try very hard anymore. Because you never know exactly who you're talking to anyway. So it's like, for example, this year I have friends who I haven't been able to see since March. And it's very hard when everything is political opinions, although says the person who was spouting them for like 20 minutes. But, you know, when they're doing it online incessantly and they attack anybody who doesn't believe the same things they do. These are people I like. I like these people. I don't yeah. like their political opinions, but I like them. If they knew what my political opinions were, they would shun me faster than you can say shun. Oh, yeah. So, I keep to myself. I mean, most of these people never move to MeWe or Parlor. They're still on Facebook. I'm not. I'm on Facebook to check to see if somebody needed something for me. Because I run another business on Facebook that isn't really a business anymore called the Philosopher's Homestead. And I've been getting messages about a um, trapper's hat I occasionally sell for commission. And I've been logging on to Facebook more often so that I can answer this person's messages but other than that i have absolutely no interest in facebook with that if you're still listening to us and you <laughs> haven't deleted your subscription to this podcast i'm ray i'm cecily and you can find us on social media on mewe as a page and a group and parlor that's at eight zero s mom podcast we're on odyssey O-D-Y-S-E-E as 80S Mom Podcast. Our website is 80smompodcast.com and our email is show at 80smompodcast.com. So until next week, you gotta finish that glass of wine and unlock the bathroom door. <laughs> Time to go back out there and kick ass. Have a great week and we will talk to you later.